0: We look at the asset itself and the assets that we're looking at that are in distressed conditions saying, what is our spin on this one? Like, what do we do? What can we do with our system, with our teams, how we've done it before that we can add the value? Because sometimes everybody has a different recipe that they use and different ways of going about it. Um, we try to focus on efficiency and we try to focus on value. We try to focus on presentation.
1: Welcome to the Threefold Real Estate Investing Podcast. Welcome back, three full listeners. I hope you're having a great week this week. We've got uh, two great guests for you today. Victor and Lee Leite are the founders of 258 Capital, uh, coming to us from Virginia Beach, Virginia. Um, that, that's a, a real estate investment company that they've started. Uh, they focus on multifamily syndications, just like we do. Uh, got their start in single family space, developed a consistent real estate investment track record with over 200 single family burrs. Um, and and fix-and-place projects, building a sizable single-family rental portfolio. They've now successfully transitioned their skills toward the multifamily space, uh, acquiring and managing over $30 uh, worth of multifamily assets as general partners and operators. They both attended George Washington University uh, School of Medicine, been practicing clinicians for the past 13 years. Uh, But through real estate, they've been able to generate uh, passive income to leave their full-time W-2 jobs of medicine. So now they enjoy spending their time raising their two kids, um, and they have a pa- passion for helping other business professionals attain the same level of freedom in their own lives. Uh, it's awesome, Victor and Lee. Uh, welcome to the show today. Thanks so much for joining us.
0: Thanks, Lee. We're we're, we're happy and and blessed to be here with you, man. Appreciate it. Yes, thanks yeah, so yeah, much for absolutely.
1: Having us. Yeah, thank you, Lee. Um, can, guys, can you tell us a little bit more? Give a little bit more color of hey, you were you're practicing medicine. Um, you know, by by most standards, by a lot of people you know, in America, I guess around the world, that, that's, that's ideal. So that should be, that should be the end goal. Um, why have you thrown all that away uh, and been going into real estate, but just um, I, I did the same thing. So that's why I say that, but um <laughs> wasn't a doctor. Well, I guess technically I was a doctor of physical therapy, but not a real doctor of course. like you guys. Um, of course. So yeah, just tell me what, how did you get the real estate bug? What did that all look like? Provide a little color for that for us.
2: Yeah. So Victor and I have been practicing medicine for about 13 years and we actually met way back in school mm-hmm. and we, like most other healthcare professionals, we graduated with a mountain of school loans. Yeah. So we made this massive action plan to pay them off. And so we ended up just working a lot. We worked 80 to hundred hour work weeks, two yeah. jobs at a time, nights, weekends, holidays, and we achieved that goal. We paid off those loans in a three week three-year period. Wow. That's
1: impressive. Yeah.
2: Thank you. And through that process, we burnt ourselves out.
1: <laughs> you know. <laughs> you worked 10 years and three years. Yes. Yeah.
2: Um. So we decided to hit that reset button, and we took an entire year off to go traveling around the world, and awesome. we took a sabbatical, we took two backpacks, and we went traveling. Through that experience, we really got to think about what we wanted out of life. Yep. yep. And what we realized was we wanted our time freedom back. Mm -hmm. We loved medicine. We loved giving back to others, but we really wanted time to focus on our health, our family, our loved ones, our, you know, our hobbies. So when we got back, we returned to practicing medicine, but we started down that path towards financial freedom. And we did that through real estate. We started out with fix and flips that quickly grew into a really big business. We a pretty sizable single-family home rental portfolio, and we were able to generate enough passive income to leave our W-2 jobs. We ended up transitioning those skills into the multifamily space. And right now we're working on multifamily syndications, you know, with yeah. that goal of making real estate investing more accessible to others so that other people can kind of reach that same level of freedom in their own lives.
1: That's awesome. The, the first thing I was going to mention, guys, um, when, when you took that sabbatical now it, it was an entire year but uh my wife and I take a weekend um and it's really <laughs> just 24 hours we've got kids so you can only get people to, to watch your kids for so long so right. but, but even just that reset um and in, in doing it annually you know what you what you said there Lee is like you know when you're working full time and, and you're you're just you know keeping your head above water again especially if you have young kids and whatnot you're, you're busy you just don't get the time to really take a step back and say like, what do I want to get out of life? But what, I mean, what do I want to get out of my job? Why do I go to work? Why, why do I do those things? And if you never take the opportunity to to step back and think about that, I mean, 10 years can go by and you can be pretty unhappy and, and pretty unfulfilled with, with where you've gone. So I'm so glad you guys were able to do that. Um, and again, I, I would suggest, you know, if, if you can't take a year, if you don't work <laughs> 80, to, 80 to 20 hours a week, like you guys did to earn that, um, man, take a weekend, take some time right. and step back um, and, and just think about it so you jump into the single family so the, the just real quick the portfolio you built there did you guys have partners in that or were you running that yourself that sounds like a lot if you're still working and uh, i mean the single family space and especially the flip space that's another job so we're- right
0: yeah it is and and to be honest with you we kind of started at at a, at a at a at slow kind of pace in the beginning kind of looking for some side um side gigs and, and extra uh income but then that slowly snowballed into a higher volume case where then we started developing our team around us okay, to support us in our systems of belief. And then we, when we started developing, obviously, the larger portfolio, then we included, obviously, a larger management company that comes in, was able to handle that for us while we're practicing medicine. Yeah, um, yeah. And and yeah. it just kind of just all worked together in symbiosis.
1: You bring in some help, you got a team going, why the pivot then? What, what, what uh, caused you to want to make that pivot toward multifamily?
2: economy of scale. So we just wanted to keep growing and keep doing things. And it's easier to buy a hundred doors at once rather than buying a hundred separate single family homes. Yeah. So <laughs> we just really enjoyed making that leap into multifamily.
1: What I know you guys have said that you, that you gained from the flip business um, and having single family rentals is those, you you were kind of working those value add muscles. Uh, and what I mean by that is like, you, you learn the art of Improving a property, um, maybe buying that ugly duckling and turning it into something that someone would really like to rent, and somewhere where somebody would really like to live. And and it sounds like you guys have really um, taken that those skills, that process, that experience, and taken it into multifamily. Can you talk a little bit about that?
0: Yeah, of course, yeah. And you know, and in, and in, in what we started with and what we did in developing our systems, developing our teams, understanding you know how to have a successful. Um, you know, business plan, renovation plan, rental plan, a burr plan, all of that together. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. takes time. You're developing your own kind of general roadmap and plan for what works, what doesn't work. And, you know, honestly, a lot of people <clears throat> are not interested in in buying distressed properties and, and transforming them to where they are, right? But yeah. we found that that it was a niche for us that we had, you know, very good, great success in, especially with our systems, you know, our, our multitasking capabilities and the teams we build around us. This, we're not only changing properties but we're changing communities man yeah. we're changing oh, communities yeah. and turning them over and transforming the flavor and the vibe of it you know and and it's just it's just kind of like it's the best of both worlds everybody wins in it um and so that's that's kind of where we we took our single family experience and we just kind of tra- just transitioned over it's kind of rinse and repeat for us from that standpoint um and just we're able to kind of do the similar similar things I and mean, everybody likes yeah. to, uh, to have a beautiful place and a place that they're proud to live in and that's what we provide I provide our tents. Yeah.
1: so I, I can i can see where it, it it kind of translates pretty easily to when you think about a unit like Hey, this is just a small, a tiny little house. And instead of doing one at a time and they're spread out all over the city, we've got, you know, 60 right here. But there's also a lot of differences. So, can you talk a little bit about that transition? Lending is very different, right? I mean, and and there's more zeros. So now maybe you're, you're raising a lot more money. So now are you bringing in other investors? And now the bank looks at you differently. It's not about you guys and your income, it's about the property and the property's income um, and the debt service coverage ratio that that property as a business you know, can, can cover. Um, and then it's a different property management company. It's a, di- you know, there's some differences. So tell us a little bit about some of that, of how you kind of overcame that and got used to, you know, doing multifamily instead of single family all over.
2: Yes. You definitely pointed out some of our biggest hurdles with our transition into multifamily. When we were doing a lot of, um, burrs and fix and flips, we were primarily dealing with cash, which made mm-hmm. transactions very easy. You know, you take yes. a distressed single family home without. Um, you know, electrical or ductwork, a bank isn't going to give you money for that. So just purchasing that in cash is much easier. So same with multifamily. So if you take a distressed asset with 50% occupancy and major, um, you know, renovations needed, you're not going to get traditional lending. Fannie and Freddie don't want to lend to that. So you have to get a little bit more creative. So what we have done with some of our recent acquisitions was going through bridge debt. Um, Mm. what bridge debt allows you to do is buy the property with the loan, fund the renovations, complete your business plan and then refinance out. So that was, I think one of the biggest hurdles of just obtaining, you know, those initial, um, $10 million loans. That was a bigger number for us. So, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. And the, and the banks obviously turn off of that. The banks, they want to see track record. They want to see that this operator sponsored, got a track record and got a resume and, and 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 has a good product that they put out there on a regular basis. And they, you know, obviously okay. with the lenders, they want to make sure and they get send for inspections on a regular basis and see that things are getting done the way we say it done, not just physically, but also on the operation side of things, right? Vacancies, yes. delinquencies, things that eat up the general gross uh, revenues. And so um, that transformation, you know, when we talk about it, it's complete, you know, the whole entire thing, whether we're changing over communities from the, the physical aspect of the building, but also you know, bringing in higher quality, better qualified tenants, you know, yeah. and, and increasing the general overall revenue for that property. And So when we when we speak with our lending partners, that that's what they ask, generally ask of us, and that's what we provide.
2: I think we really had an advantage with the renovations, with these distressed assets, because we really understood what we were dealing with.
1: Mm-hmm. You know,
2: you can easily listen to a broker trying to sell you something saying, Oh, it's yes. going to take $5,000 right. a unit to repair this. And we can easily say, no, that's going to take $25,000. Yeah. Oh, and goodness. we were right. able to nail down that budget, nail down that timeline and just kind of roll through the project. So yep. that experience really, oh, really sure. made these projects a lot more streamlined for us.
1: And, and, and then everybody's been surprised to, to the upside with costs uh for for renovations right that this past year or two mm-hmm. um but that that is almost always the case brokers always come in I see that all the time and it, but it does depend on what you want to do like what you guys are saying is we're we're transforming the property we're changing the tenant base that that's a totally different thing than hey when somebody moves out we're gonna you know clean the carpets and freshen the paint and you know right. make it nice <laughs> enough but you're just you're just swapping out tenants and, and making it you know nice and you, you guys are doing something different. And when you talk about the bridge loans, what, what you know what you're saying, they're kind of lending on that future value, so they want to come out and make sure you're increasing the future value, right? So you talk about bridge debt, that's kind of almost become a bad word. Uh, I feel like, or something that people are scared of, right? So can we dig right. in on that a little bit? What was your experience? I mean, one thing I would say, I, I know I haven't done it yet. I, I know one thing I've been coached on is like where people get in trouble is they get bridge debt and they. It's like, oh, we're going to increase the value, but they were just planning on raising rents. And, and right. that's not a true value add project. Like you guys are talking about 50% vacancy. That's <laughs> that's a true, you know, that's uh, that's a distress property. That's not even just like, you know, a simple value add, you know, where where we, we've done some where, you know, hey, they're 90, 95%, but rents are $300 under and we're doing like you guys, we're putting 15 grand in each unit. That's still value add. You guys are doing some deep value add. So that... From what i understand that's what bridge debt you know is really for is when you are seriously increasing value but what's been your experience with that uh, i know one thing that, that's been thrown out is these you know the, the rates uh, are, are typically variable so have you guys got caught up in that maybe just provide a little more color on the, the bridge debt for us
2: you're right bridge debt was really really popular a couple of years ago and suddenly it really does um kind of have a, have a bad flavor to it these days and that's because mm-hmm. of this changing environment because we have those increasing interest rates we have Um, likely higher exit caps, which will impact that future refinance when you stabilize that property. So in this environment, it makes bridge debt more risky. I think that when we are, like you said, actually adding value to the property and not just relying on rent growth, then it is much less of a risk because you control the way your property operates. You control the NOI that way. And You know the ways to offset that risk are to underwrite for higher exit caps and to also consider purchasing interest rate caps so even if your interest rate is variable it can only go up so much
1: right, right. so if you come in and you, you know the initial uh interest rate you got on your bridge debt is four percent and you buy an interest rate cap that would cap it at five even if rates go to six you're only going up to five. So you kind of know your worst case scenario, but on the front end, what you had to pay 30, 40, $50,000 in order to cap it at 5%. Is that in general how that goes? A couple hundred thousand, but yeah. Right,
0: (laughs) right. If it makes sense to buy the caps, if it makes sense to buy the caps and that's kind of like an insurance policy, which right now at this time, if you know, What's going on with CMBS and bridge debt? A lot of people did not buy that insurance, and so they're bleeding out consistently in these larger markets where they they assumed and they underwrote for you know rent growth of eight percent, ten percent regularly. But now that's going to be compressed down because the market is changing; it's forced to change. So, you know, it just depends on the business plans you had in mind. And we look at it for more of a conservative underwriting model. And when we look at it, we don't we don't um, underwrite so aggressively as others, but we really try to know that, you know, we're, we're actually adding the value to the properties. We're just not taking a momentum play and just riding this wave that right. we had for, you know, cap, cap rate compressions. Now, now the true cream will rise to the top in regards to this value add systems, you know, um, and a lot of, a lot of people who didn't look at it conservatively or didn't get those caps in place are now in, in a little bit of, of hot water.
1: Yeah. The, the true value add means increasing occupancy. Means raising rent, and I think what what always gives us um, you know a, a sense of comfort or feeling like we're underwriting conservatively is saying, well, this is a value add project. So if market rent today is a thousand, but the average rent is three is seven hundred, then our goal really is just three years from now for the the average rent to be a thousand. So we're not even we're really not saying market rent's going to grow because market rent can stay at a thousand. We're just over the three years we're just going to try to get people there. What you guys are saying is you know you come in. Hey, rent's 950, you know, market's a thousand, but three years from now, it's going to be 1200. That's a completely different idea, right? That, that's, it's not real. And, and it may be 1200. I mean, if you did that for the past three, four years, you've been, you you've probably still underestimated the rent growth, but man, that's not all the time. So yeah, I love that. You know, when you, when you buy a 50% occupied property, that, that's something like you guys said, you can control. If you right. get the other units right, like they're probably not rented because they're not ready. Right. I mean, it, we've gotten properties like that. They're, they have 10% vacancy because 10% of the units aren't even ready to be rented. That's easy, not easy. I mean, you got to do the work, but that's that's conservative value. It would be hard to not be able to add that value if you put the money into it and, and, and go about it the right way, right? So let's get into some of that. Some people look at those properties, uh, the ones that you know you guys take on, and, and like they're scared of it. They don't want to do that. Um, maybe it's too much work. Maybe you were talking about that, Victor. It, it, it's a lot of work. Why do you guys like it so much? And then. Um, how do you go about that? I mean, how do you get the, the crews and it's hard to find good help? And how do you turn these units? And if the property is 50% vacant, maybe it's because nobody wants to live there. You know, how do you get people to want to live there?
2: <laughs> That's true. Well, first off, <laughs> buy properties in good locations where okay. people want yep. to live.
1: Yep. Don't buy okay. a property
2: in a terrible so They location. want to live in the location, just not that yeah. exact property
1: until yeah. you guys get a hold of it.
0: Right, yeah, and that's yeah. the key factor. Location is key, yep. and just kind of property presentation itself. Like, is there desirability for this product? Is it going to um, provide value to the community? Um, you know, is is it located? You know, you know, near schools, highways, employment, and you know, we look at the asset itself and the assets that we're looking at that are in distress conditions saying what is our spin on this one? Like, what do we do? What can we do with our system, with our teams, how we've done it before that we can add the value? Because sometimes everybody has a different recipe that they use and different ways of going about it. Um, And we try to focus on efficiency and we try to focus on value. We try to focus on presentation um, from the renovation side. And then we try to bring in, like we said, you know, the quality tenants that are meeting our, our strict criteria for renting and finding solutions for them or, and you know that that kind of how we look at it when it comes to these these um products and you know, a lot of people, not a lot of people, but majority of. Of the larger um, uh, groups or syndicators are are shied away from that um, now yeah. recently because most of them are not boots on the ground. They don't have teams on the ground that will block by block, street by street. Yeah. Um, and, and so we have teams in place for them. And so we kind of utilize our strengths. Um, we try to focus on the one thing that we do well at. Um, and we've been through enough burnt down units, vacant units, down to the stud units, uh, overdosed uh, people overdosed in the units, things yeah. like that. Yeah. Or if you've been through that, and we've been through healthcare, by the way right? I tell everybody, my hand doesn't shake anymore because I've been through enough that I understand that like, we can find solutions for a lot of these problems. You just have to be smart. You have to find the, you know, different exits that you can take and you just have to like go with certainty, clarity, and confidence at what you do.
1: Yeah. I I like that. Like you said, you got to find your kind of your flavor and what you guys are going to be able to do to it. Um, that maybe other people don't see. Can you give us an example? I know you guys recently, um, turned around a a 63 unit. Um, I, I think it really in under a year, what, what's, what's some of, you know, what is your guys' secret sauce? Like what, what is your flavor that you added to that property? Tell us about maybe a few things that you did to, to add value to that 63 unit.
2: I love this property. This was mm-hmm. just such a fun project to do. It's in walking distance to the oceanfront, so you just can't oh, beat wow. it. Yeah, but, but it was, this was the 50% vacant property. Wow. And it had been just a long-term owner operator. We found this one off market and he had let it go. Yeah. So- we just instantly knew what we could do for this place. It needed, you know, work from deferred maintenance and it needed a facelift and Mm rebranding. So this, this property is in the heart of the arts district um, where we live. And so we really leaned into that and brought in some of those bright colors. We brought an artist in to do a mural and just kind of revitalize this property from this run down kind of tired community to this young, vibrant community full of 20, 30 year olds, working professionals who wanted to be in the heart of everything.
1: Oh, that's awesome. I love it. You leaned into that. And had it, so like on one end of the building or something, did you have an artist paint something?
0: Yeah, we commissioned a, a great artist and we actually worked with the city on that. Um, who who That's painted awesome. a, a wonderful mural um on on our building side because we wanted to create a sense of community and inspiration yeah. and motivation for our tenants. And so when we we're able to collaborate with the with the city and the arts district and we we're able to bring that large mural there rebranding we're changing the name of the place uh giving it a new flavor a new sense of 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 general like you know uh, freshness to the to the place and obviously right. the interior renovations were done and we added laundry space we had a great parking now and we added a uh, we're, we're adding outdoor you know um amenity space for people to hang out and, and spend time at wow. like we started yeah. putting energy and and dedicated efforts on thinking about who we wanted to live there and we started you know getting these these um these renovations and projects done they just showed up because they just saw the, the, that the owners had pride of ownership now yep. and that they were focusing on revitalizing and oh, making yeah. this place to live at. Say, Hey, I live at that building now. That's a cool building. Yep. So that's what we kind of decided to do. And it's worked out.
1: Oh, I'm sure. I am I bet you guys can really tell when you look at reviews on, on Google or apartments.com, I, I'll see it with buildings that you can tell, you know, and, and the renters will say that like, Hey, ever since new management came in, you can tell a difference. And And a lot of times it's like, you know, they're actually answering maintenance calls now or, or, you know, that they're cleaning up, you know, we've got laundry now, we've got extra space. So you, you can see that it makes such a big difference. Um, and it's a win-win. I'm, I'm sure the city was thrilled that you guys did that. It's probably been an eyesore for them. You know, something that nobody was was happy about or, or, or proud of. And, and now it's something everybody's proud of. The one thing, um, just want to hit on real quick that, we, that we've that we come into the only people this is not for maybe, are the people that are living there that are used to kind of the whole way. And they're not some of the people you want to have live there. So a little bit on like, what, what's that process like? Because, You know, I've always said, you know, unfortunately, if we're trying to transition a C-class property to a B-class property, for the most part, the C-class residents are going to end up moving on. Is that something you guys have dealt with?
2: Yes, that was a big hurdle, especially dealing with just the stigma of the Mm -hmm. old property, Um, that it was known for drugs. It was known for crime. It was known as a place that you don't want to be around at night. So that was a huge transition of turning over that community, so that people started recognizing that it was a safe place to be, yeah, and it yeah. it really just took time. Um, sure. What we yep. did was we put out specials to first responders to get people in there, oh, um, police, okay. firefighters, right. so that first of all we had a you know a solid resident base, and that that really got us off the ground. Um, but the whole transition—it it was hard. It's-
0: and really, yeah. we found solutions for everybody. It's not that yeah. everybody's down yeah. the street. We yeah. contacted other um, other properties in the area. We contacted other um, uh, groups and associations that had oh, you uh, know assistance yeah. for folks. Like we didn't like it. Just wasn't that we didn't want we want, didn't want to be known for that. We want to change over a community. And obviously, everybody who wanted to stay, stayed stayed. Uh, we didn't you know yeah. tell everybody to leave. We just sure. said, hey, we're going to be investing a lot of time, energy, and effort to change this community. And you can be a part of it if you want. And uh, for those who stay, they love it. They they know oh, it. They've sure. seen it from where yeah. it was to where it is now. Um, and everybody's excited about what we've done. We've had res- response from the mayor, from from the the district um, uh, groups, and things like that, right. from from the arts district. So everybody feels positive about the changes being made.
2: Yeah, we've also been working with local groups like the women's shelters and yeah. um, other local programs to house some of those residents to give back to the community. So we feel really positive about that. And we've been working with um, Section 8 to get a lot of those residents who were there previously who were good people to be able to get them leased up into the new renovated unit. So I think we're That's overall awesome. improving people's lives.
1: Yeah, congrats on that project. That, that just sounds really cool. I mean, I want to come uh, check it out in the mural. Yeah. I'm like thinking of our property's like which one might that work on, on ours That's just such a neat idea what you guys have done uh to like you know kind of fit into the community but also like just really improve the community it's really awesome hey three full listeners just want to take a quick break from the show to introduce you to our sponsor pure property solutions they specialize in capex projects for multifamily and commercial properties in the tri-state area they handle painting carpentry roofing windows and more the Pure Property Solutions team prides itself on quality work for a fair price with excellent customer service. They are adept at keeping a good relationship with residents at the job site and are always willing to work toward a creative solution while keeping finances in mind. I can speak to this firsthand. We've worked with Pure Property Solutions on uh, a big project we had that they put in all new windows for us, um, all, all new decks, uh, did some roof work for us, and we just had a great experience. Uh, they deliver uh, quality product um, they have good good craftsmanship, uh, good communication, and, and to be honest with you, like not everything went perfectly. Um, but when things didn't go perfectly, they they returned our call, they fixed it, they got out, they heard us, and, and they made it right. And that's, that's that's what you want. Uh, check them out if you've got a big capex project here in the tri-state area. Check out Pure Property Solutions. Uh, the, the link will be in the show notes. Now back to the show. I always like to ask as we kind of wrap it up here. I like to ask my guests, um, what do you think is a key ingredient? For being a successful real estate investor, and maybe for you guys, uh, you know, different flavor on that question, but like for being a successful value add real estate real estate investor, what, what's that key ingredient?
2: I think one of the key ingredients in real estate investing is just knowing your why, knowing your end goal. If you have that end goal in mind, then every kind of move or decision you make will be laser focused on that end goal, yep. and you're much less likely to get distracted by shiny object syndrome. Yeah, um, Yeah, sure.
0: and I, I think in, in, if you know your destination, then the one key factor that when I speak to most about, it's like, you know, you need to take action. But not only do you need to take action, but a lot of the step that everybody always misses is you need to set the deadlines and stay consistently Mm -hmm. chopping that down, right? Everybody talks about what their wishes and and goals are, but nobody stays with consistent, actionable steps with deadlines Mm -hmm. to focus on achieving their success, right? There's no secret sauce to it. You just have to have a general destination that you're wanting to achieve, and you right. need to just chop, chop, chop the successful tree down inch yep. by inch, wood, you know, piece by piece, consistently, yep. daily, and that—that's where most generally people fail um, with those beliefs.
1: Yeah, I agree, guys. And just thinking about value add, and and you know how long that takes. I mean, you don't you don't come in in a few months. I mean, you might have some residents you want to get out, and they just signed a year lease. <laughs> so, you know, they're in there for a year, so it's not going to happen quick. And but if you know your why. And then like you said, you know, Victor, you, you know, the steps and you keep doing it and you set a deadline, you're going to be able to stick it out. That, that's what I think is different. You're going to, you're in it for the long haul and, and you're going to get there if you, if you stick with it. And if you know your why, it allows you to stick with it. So it's great stuff. Guys, um, I know, um, you know, obviously you guys got to a point, um, you know, in your lives, uh, but but in your careers as as doctors. And you said, life is not about, you know, working 80 to hundred hours a week. It's not about, you know, how much can we work that there's, we want our time freedom. Um, so what are you doing now? Uh, What would you say is a key ingredient for you guys to, while you're pursuing success in real estate investing, making sure that you're maintaining your priorities, making sure that you're having success as a husband, as a wife, you know, as family, if if faith is important to you, how are you, you know, making sure you're having success in the areas that, you know, frankly matter more than real estate?
2: That's a great question because when you're a really passionate real estate investor, Mm -hmm. you could do it 24 seven.
1: So what
2: we found is we we really like to work our schedule into time blocks and we put in onto our schedule what we call gold time first. So gold mm. time is time with family, time for exercise, time for our friends, um time for faith and we block out those times and we don't overbook them. So everything in real that. estate gets scheduled around the important stuff and not the other way around.
0: Right. Yeah, and we we have these we have these sections of our days that we focus on and it's our, our mindset, it's our spirituality, it's our health, it's our yeah. family, and it's our legacy. And our entire days are built around those kind of focused energies. And that's how we kind of generally go about our daily lives. And our goal time is a, a time that is priceless to us and, and can't be sucked away by other activities. And we just stay consistent with that behavior. Just like I said, we just stay consistent with it a daily basis. And that's yeah. how it's kind of prioritizing our lives.
1: Yeah, that's awesome, guys. I love it. even even the name Gold Time. Like, just sets it above everything else because that does that is the most important. It's got to come first. But if you're not intentional about it, if you just wake up, you know, it's like um, what do they say that the um the things that are like urgent like rule your day the the um, tyranny of the urgent or something like that because mm-hmm. you know you, your business kind of feels like it needs done now and and that contractor you know that just left you a message he needs to know right now what what needs to be done about this and and you know maybe you know, Victor, maybe Lee can kind of wait. Like maybe if she doesn't get much of your time today, it'll be okay. Right. But that, that contractor really needs to know. And, and we've got to take care of this eviction and, you know, you, you can become beholden to that, but you know, for you guys, like if you set that gold time first, you know, that goes in first, I, that's, that's how it's got to be. You've got to be intentional about it. Right. The way you said, right. Lee, I mean, I chuckle because I, I was just thinking that the other day that, you know, with, with a, with a full-time job, you know, with being a doctor, you know, as a physical therapist and, like when I was done being a physical therapist for the day, I was, I was done. I, you know, I mm. do it, but yeah, with real estate, I, I could do it whenever I wait, which is amazing because it's flexible. So anytime I need to not be doing it, cause I, you know, we've got that gold time, but I was doing it last night, you know, until 10 o'clock you know, and I would, I would never do physical therapy till 10 o'clock at night. No one would let me do physical therapy on them at, at 10 o'clock at night. So you have to be careful. So that, <laughs> it's so important. Um, you know like you said to put that gold time do that first have that in there so th- thank you for that that's really really wise advice i hope people um take that and do that uh well this has been great guys um i i know um you you guys have a really good thing going you have got uh so much momentum kind of helping others along um i know you're active on uh linkedin facebook instagram we'll throw all those in the show notes and then um you guys there at the website 258cap.com 258cap.com that's uh where we should send people to to learn more about you
0: Yes. Yeah. two, okay. two, two five, gap, um, Yeah. Anywhere on social media, we just put out a lot of educational uh, content, motivational content, anything that we can uh, help motivate, and inspire others.
1: That's great. That's great. But Hey, before I let you guys go, um, I was like, to ask my guest. How might my listeners and I be praying for you in the coming weeks?
0: That's a great, that's a great question. I just, um, I would say pray, you know, pray for us to continue, you know, loving ourselves, loving our family, um, yeah. loving our neighbors, um, continue with, you know, um, helping to show gratitude and helping to show kindness to others around us.
1: Absolutely. Uh, really, really well said. Um, we'd be happy to pray for that uh, for you guys. Well, thanks so much, guys. This has been really helpful. Um, value add is a term that's used a lot. Um, I think sometimes maybe too much. And um, true value add is, is is what you guys are doing when, when you're, you know, there's high vacancy that, you know, you're really trying to reposition a property, not um, not just increase rent uh, because, you know, rent's going up, um, because of inflation or whatever, you know, it, it's, uh, it, that's true value. And it, it takes some skills. It takes some hard work. It takes some persistence, um, you know, and, and, and overcoming some, some real struggles because it, it's, it's difficult, but that's why there's, there's value there for the investors, right? I mean, that, that's, that's why, that's why we love it. Cause you can really add value to the residents. You can add value to the investors and it's great. I, I love doing it too. So thanks. Thanks for going through that with us guys. It's been really helpful. I appreciate you guys coming on the show today.
2: Yes, thank awesome. you so much.
0: Thank you, Lee. Appreciate it.
1: Yeah, take care. Thank you for joining us for another great episode. I hope you'll take action on what you've learned today. If you enjoyed today's show, please consider leaving Lee a five-star rating and review. And check him out on threefoldrei.com. Until next time, 1 Timothy 6.17.